chapter thirteen of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain hopes consummated to emily winston we have always accorded the title of mrs gary whilst in reality she had no legal claim to it whatever previous to their emigration from georgia mr gary had on one or two occasions attempted but without success to make her legally his wife he ascertained that even if he could have found a clergyman willing to expose himself to persecution by marrying them the ceremony itself would have no legal weight as a marriage between a white and a mulatto was not recognized as valid by the laws of the state and he had therefore been compelled to dismiss the matter from his mind until an opportunity should offer for the accomplishment of their wishes now however that they had removed to the north where they would have no legal difficulties to encounter he determined to put his former intention into execution although emily had always maintained a studied silence on the subject he knew that it was the darling wish of her heart to be legally united to him so he unhesitatingly proceeded to arrange matters for the consummation of what he felt assured would promote the happiness of both he therefore wrote to dr blackley a distinguished clergyman of the city requesting him to perform the ceremony and receive from him an assurance that he would be present at the appointed time matters having progressed thus far he thought it time to inform emily of what he had done on the evening succeeding the receipt of an answer from the rev dr blackley after the children had been sent to bed he called her to him and taking her hand sat down beside her on the sofa emily said he as he drew her closer to him my dear faithful emily i am about to do you an act of justice one too that i feel will increase the happiness of us both i am going to marry you my darling i am about to give you a lawful claim to what you have already won by your faithfulness and devotion you know i tried more than once whilst in the south to accomplish this but owing to the cruel and unjust laws existing there i was unsuccessful but now love no such difficulty exists and here continued he is an answer to the note i have written to dr blackley asking him to come next wednesday night and perform the ceremony you are willing are you not emily he asked willing she exclaimed in a voice tremulous with emotion willing o oh god if you only knew how i have longed for it it has been my earnest desire for years and bursting into tears she leaned sobbing on his shoulder after a few moments she raised her head and looking searchingly in his face she asked but do you do this after full reflection on the consequences to ensue are you willing to sustain all the odium to endure all the contumely to which your acknowledged union with one of my unfortunate race will subject you clarence it will be a severe trial a greater one than any you have yet endured for me and one for which i fear my love will prove 
but a poor recompense i've thought more of these things lately i'm older now in years and experience there was a time when i was vain enough to think that my affection was all that was necessary for your happiness but men i know require more to fill their cup of content than the undivided affection of a woman no matter how fervently beloved you have talents and i have sometimes thought ambition oh clarence how it would grieve me in after years to know that you regretted that for me you had sacrificed all those views and hopes that are cherished by the generality of your sex have you waited well yes emily well replied mr geary and you know the conclusion my past should be a guarantee for the future i had the world before me and chose you and with you i am contented to share my lot and feel that i receive in your affection a full reward for any of those so-called sacrifices i might make so dry your tears my dear concluded he and let us hope for nothing but an increase of happiness as the result after a few moments of silence he resumed it will be necessary emily to have a couple of witnesses now whom would you prefer i would suggest mrs ellis and her husband they are old friends and persons on whose prudence we can rely it would not do to have the matter talked about as it would expose us to disagreeable comments mrs Gary agreed perfectly with him as to the selection of mr and mrs ellis and immediately dispatched a note to mrs ellis asking her to call at their house on the morrow when she came emily informed her with some confusion of manner of the intended marriage and asked her attendance as witness at the same time informing her of the high opinion her husband entertained of their prudence in any future discussion of the matter i am really glad he is going to marry you emily replied mrs ellis and depend upon it we will do all in our power to aid it only yesterday that inquisitive mrs tiddy was at our house and in conversation respecting you asked if i knew you to be married to mr Gary. i turned the conversation somehow without giving her a direct answer mr Gary, i must say does act nobly towards you he must love you emily for not one white man in a thousand would make such a sacrifice for a colored woman you can't tell how we all like him he is so amiable so kind in his manner makes every one so much at ease in his company it's real good in him i declare and i shall begin to have some faith in white folks after all wednesday night continued she very well we shall be here if the lord spare us and kissing emily she hurried off to impart the joyful intelligence to her husband the anxiously looked-for wednesday evening at last arrived and emily arrayed herself in a plain white dress for the occasion her long black hair had been arranged in ringlets by mrs ellis who stood by gazing admiringly at her how sweet you look emily you only want a wreath of orange blossoms to complete your appearance don't you feel a little nervous asked her friend a little excited she answered and her hand shook as she put back one of the curls that had fallen across her face just then a loud ringing at the door announced the arrival of dr blackley who was shown into the front parlour emily and mrs ellis came down into the room where mr Gary was waiting for them whilst mr ellis brought in dr blackley the reverend gentleman gazed with some surprise at the party assembled mr Gary was so thoroughly saxon in appearance that no one could doubt to what race he belonged 
and it was equally evident that emily mrs ellis and her husband were colored persons dr blackley looked from one to the other with evident embarrassment and then said to mr geary in a low hesitating tone i think there has been some mistake here will you do me the favor to step into a, another room mr geary mechanically complied and stood waiting to learn the cause of dr blackley's strange conduct you are a white man i believe at last stammered forth the doctor yes sir i presume my appearance is a sufficient guarantee of that answered mr geary oh yes i do not doubt it and for that reason you must not be surprised if i decline to proceed with the ceremony i do not see how my being a white man can act as a barrier to its performance remarked mr geary in reply it would not sir if all the parties were of one complexion but i do not believe in the propriety of amalgamation and on no consideration could i be induced to assist in the union of a white man or woman with a person who has the slightest infusion of african blood in their veins i believe the negro race he continued to be marked out by the hand of god for servitude and you must pardon me if i express my surprise that a gentleman of your evident intelligence should seek such a connection you must be laboring under some horrible infatuation enough sir replied mr geary proudly i only regret that i did not know it was necessary to relate every circumstance of appearance complexion etc i wish to obtain a marriage certificate not a passport i mistook you for a christian minister which mistake you will please to consider as my apology for having troubled you and thus speaking he bowed dr blackley out of the house mr geary stepped back to the door of the parlour and called out mr ellis we are placed in a very difficult dilemma said he as he was joined by the latter would you believe it that prejudiced old sinner has actually refused to marry us it is no more than you might have expected of him he's a thorough nigger hater keeps a pew behind the organ of his church for colored people and will not permit them to receive the sacrament until all the white members of his congregation are served why i don't see what on earth induced you to send for him i knew nothing of his sentiments respecting colored people i did not for a moment have an idea that he would hesitate to marry us there is no law here that forbids it what can we do said mr geary despairingly i know a minister who will marry you with pleasure if i can only catch him at home he is so much engaged in visiting the sick and other pastoral duties do go hunt him up ellis it would be a great favour to me if you can induce him to come poor emily what a disappointment this will be to her said he as he entered the room where she was sitting what is the matter dear she asked as she observed geary's anxious face i hope there is no new difficulty mr geary briefly explained what had just occurred and informed her in addition of mr ellis having gone to see if he could get father banks as the venerable old minister was called it seems dear said she despondingly as if providence looked unfavourably on our design for every time you have attempted it we have been in some way thwarted and the tears chased one another down her face which had grown pale in the excitement of the moment oh don't grieve about it dear it is only a temporary disappointment i can't think all the clergymen in the city are like dr blackley some one amongst them will certainly oblige us we won't despair at least not until ellis comes back they had not very long to wait for soon after this conversation footsteps were heard in the garden and mr ellis entered followed by the clergyman in a very short space of time they were united by father banks who seemed much affected as he pronounced his blessing upon them my children he said tremulously you are entering upon a path 
which to the most favoured is full of disappointment care and anxieties but to you who have come together under such peculiar circumstances in the face of so many difficulties and in direct opposition to the prejudices of society it will be fraught with more danger and open to more annoyances than if you were both of one race but if men revile you revile not again bear it patiently for the sake of him who has borne so much for you god bless you my children said he and after shaking hands with them all he departed mr and mrs ellis took their leave soon after and then mrs gary stole upstairs alone into the room where the children were sleeping it seemed to her that night that they were more beautiful than ever as they lay in their little beds quietly slumbering she knelt beside them and earnestly prayed their heavenly father that the union which had just been consummated in the face of so many difficulties might prove a boon to them all where have you been you run away exclaimed her husband as she re-entered the parlour you stayed away so long i began to have all sorts of frightful ideas i thought of the mistletoe hung in the castle hall and of old oak chests and all kind of terrible things i've been sitting here alone ever since the ellises went where have you been oh i've been upstairs looking at the children bless their young hearts they look so sweet and happy and how they grow clarence is getting to be quite a little man don't you think in time dear that he was sent to school i have so much more to occupy my mind here than i had in georgia so many household duties to attend to that i am unable to give that attention to his lessons which i feel is requisite besides being so much at home he has associated with that wretched boy of the stevenses and is growing rude and noisy don't you think he had better be sent to school oh yes emily if you wish it was mr gary's reply i will search out a school to-morrow or next day and taking out his watch he continued it is near twelve o'clock how the night has flown away we must be off to bed after the excitement of the evening and your exertions of to-day i fear that you will be indisposed to-morrow clarence although over nine years old was so backward in learning that they were obliged to send him to a small primary school which had recently been opened in the neighbourhood and as it was one of four children of both sexes it was deemed advisable to send little m with him i do so dislike to have her go said her mother as her husband proposed that she should accompany clarence she seems so small to be sent to school i'm afraid she won't be happy oh don't give yourself the least uneasiness about her not being happy there for a more cheerful set of little folks i never beheld you would be astonished to see how exceedingly young some of them are what kind of a person is the teacher asked mrs gary oh she's a charming little creature the very embodiment of cheerfulness and good humour she has sparkling black eyes a round rosy face and can't be more than sixteen if she is that old had i had such a teacher when a boy i should have got on charmingly but mine was a cross old widow who wore spectacles and took an amazing quantity of snuff and used to flog upon the slightest pretence i went into her presence with fear and trembling i could never learn anything from her and that must be my excuse for my present literary shortcomings but you need have no fear respecting m getting on with miss jordan i don't believe she could be unkind to any one least of all to our little darling then you will take them down in the morning suggested mrs gary but on no account leave emily unless she wishes to stay End of chapter 13